Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? I'm doing pretty fantastic, specifically because when people are listening to this, we are a few days away from Black Widow, which is really, really exciting. I know. I know. I'm going to the theater. I've decided. Yeah. I went back and forth. So am I. Even with, uh, what, what's it, the Delta variant? Mm-hmm. That, that stuff's coming up? I gotta go. I can't not see this on the big screen. Mm-hmm. So, now I feel like I have a little bit of an advantage because as, as, as a teacher, I'm going to go to a morning show. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to go, and even, you know, I would go on a Friday night a lot of times, you know, on the crowded stuff when it was in-game and Infinity War. But there was a lot of times where I'm going to the Saturday morning when it's I didn't have to pre-buy tickets for those. Mm-hmm. And so going to like a Friday morning, I'm not going to have to buy pre-buy tickets for Black Widow. And mm, it won't be crowded. You better not jinx it. <laughs> uh, trust me. There's enough theaters where I live that that's not going to happen. That's That's very true. I live in a small town and there's like two and... Technically three, but I don't even consider it because it's that bad. But small town, usually they don't get that crowded, especially on like Saturday mornings. Maybe two other people in the theater, depending on the movie. So, yeah. Yeah, I have one, two, three, like three or four theaters within reasonable driving distance Mm -hmm. for me. Now, I have my favorites that I go to and my favorite favorite hasn't reopened yet. Mm-hmm. Um, just financially, they just haven't, they haven't been able to, mm-hmm. but the others, the others are good. So I'll be, I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. So of course, uh, just for transparency's sake, I do want to say we're both fully vaccinated. Uh, we are making, you know, a safe choices here. That may not be the case for everybody, whether or not they have the vaccine or not. So thankfully Black Widow will be available on Disney plus as well too. So it, it feels good that a large number of people should be able to get to see this movie this weekend. Okay. Before we move on to Loki. This came up in our Discord, and I just want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Shang-Chi is a theater only. Do you think they're going to change their mind on that? I don't think so. Okay. Because um, I, I I didn't realize. I just thought it was going to have the same Black Widow treatment. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the smart choice, is to have that option for people. But I think the decision makers are very eager to get back to the only on the big screen, like sort of advertising that they used to do. So I feel like as soon as, because it was already a compromise to get the 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 Disney Plus access. Yeah. Um, we heard rumblings that there's always, you know, take a grain of salt with it, but we heard rumblings like apparently Feige was fighting tooth and nail to like keep it theater only. So I think it's, it's honestly like lucky that we even got Black Widow on Disney Plus yeah. at this point. Well, and I get that. Like, there's something about going to the theater. I just said, I'm going to the theater. I'm super excited about that. But I'm still going to pay the $30 to mm-hmm. see it again mm-hmm. the next day on the comfort of my TV or iPad. Mm-hmm. I just, I am. I, I feel like the MCU, and, and this could be just, I have an MCU podcast, the fanboy in me. I feel like the MCU is big enough that people are going to go see Black Widow and pay for the early access. Mm-hmm. Like, like you might get somebody that does just early access, but everybody that goes to the theater will probably get the early access as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm like, oh, you might be 
who knows? We'll see what we'll see what happens. But I feel like it might be safe with Shang Chi. Mm-hmm. That's why I said it would be the smart choice. Now, whether or not yeah. they do it, I don't know, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, and- I guess there's a reason we're we're on the podcast and not on the Disney board. Uh, true, but you know what? I, I feel like <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's true. It's fair, but I, I feel like I feel like Black Widow is can is going to be thinking of everything that's come out to theater and theater only theater and early access all during this pandemic. I think black widow is going to be the true test case Mm -hmm. for does this work? Will people go see it and early access? Mm -hmm. I mean, just think about it. Like it's going to come back 45 days later to free access anyways, which is insane. How quick a turnaround Mm -hmm. that is. Mm hmm. Um, cause before the pandemic, it hit, it hit DVD three months after theater release mm-hmm. and then streaming access, you know, sometime after that. So to go immediately to streaming in 45 minutes or, or, you know, 45 days later, that's, that's insanely quick. Mm-hmm. And they almost have to, to keep up with the continuity of like, if you need to see this before the next one, like yeah. they got to pop them out quick. Right. But anyways, they're here to listen about Loki, so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, of course, if you downloaded the episode, you know that we're going to be discussing season one, episode four of Loki entitled The Nexus Event. So we're going to have some pre-spoiler thoughts, uh, followed by an audio cue, which will take us into the spoiler zone where we'll discuss everything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe up to this point. But before we get there, Jude, do you have any pre-spoiler thoughts for Loki? This show keeps going in directions I'm not expecting. Mm-hmm. There's some things that I've expected and kind of like predicted that have happened. But from the standpoint of like what I'm used to of, okay, this is probably what I expect to see this episode. Mm-hmm. This show has taken some real risks. Mm-hmm. And and that has been fun. Just the, the shock value of it. Mm-hmm. What about you? Pre-spoiler thoughts. If I get because you just sparked an idea, if I can piggyback off what you just said about the shock value, to put it in non-spoiler terms, I think as soon as I finished this episode, I texted you and I was like, I was ready to be upset about this thing. And then immediately this thing was upsetting to me. And it was just like yeah. it constant whiplash yeah. throughout the episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but for my own pre-spoiler thoughts, I, the thing that I liked about this episode is that it felt like it was comprised of various different storylines that are almost like microcosms of why the TVA either was doomed to fail or was flawed from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand, like I know we both uh, have been skeptical of the TVA in the last couple episodes. Yeah. It was more of like hammering that home of why, you know. TVA ain't good. And no. so it was nice. No, it's I, not. I, I liked, pu- <laughs> I was like, pu- I, I liked pulling out those little story threads throughout this episode. So I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that'll do it for our pre-spoiler thoughts. So uh, like we said, we're going to hear the audio cue and on the other side, it'll be full spoilers. We'll see you on the other side. And we're back. So, Again, most important topics. We're going to break this down into a couple of important topics. The first one we will be starting with is simply entitled Apprehended. This is going to deal with everything about what we learned with Sylvie when she was apprehended when she was a child, as they got taken into the TVA back in the 
the present and even Loki's apprehension where Mobius was interrogating him and keeping him in his time cell. So Jude, is there anywhere you would like to start with specifically? So I think my first thought is this was a really well-paced episode because the way episode three ended, I was expecting them to get off a lamentous and they didn't. And so I'm like, okay, so, so something's going to happen. They got to get them off this planet and they were able to spend time on the planet. I keep saying the planet. Should I say this part of the timeline? I don't. Anyways, uh, they, they were able to spend time on Lamentis, get off of the planet, and still have a good chunk of time at the TVA. Like, like mm-hmm. it just felt so well balanced. Now, mm-hmm. as far as the apprehended goes, I really liked Mobius's part during this apprehended section that or the part section we're calling apprehended just the interrogation the style uh-huh. i don't know why it just it made me feel like i'm watching a procedural these cop procedural things mm-hmm. i don't know those shows in general i just kind of i can get sucked into and, and so mm-hmm. just the style of questioning and trying to get them caught and you're just like i think from an audience standpoint we know a lot of times in those shows, you don't have all the information. Mm-hmm. We know what's happened and we know Mobius is lying and we know what's happened. And we know Loki's lying and you see them bantering with each other. And it's also kind of like, I'm pulling my hair out. It's like, no, he's telling the truth this time. No, he's lying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was something, I don't know why I, I just got really drawn to that aspect of it. It, it was almost like, like the boy who cried wolf, like he's finally telling the truth and you're the, the frustration of right. watching Mobius right. not not being able to to take him for his word. But uh, to piggyback on what you were saying about the procedural, uh, a lot of time with these crime shows, at least my understanding of what a procedural crime show is, is by nature, it's it's repetitive like you have your case you go through the motions of solving by the end of the episode, you have it solved. Like generally, that's the structure of those shows. Oh, yeah. And so. Knowing that, I absolutely adore that Loki takes the time to say that they're stuck in their own time loop because, uh, and, and specifically uh-huh. Loki and Mobius as they're back in the interrogation scene, because this is very familiar. This The first two episodes of Loki were most definitely, you know, them in this scene just talking, and here we are again, but it's different this time uh, because of what you were saying, Loki's telling the truth. To go a little bit further, the thing I like about it, the the breaking the loop where things start to unravel, which I know we're not there yet, is Loki, or not necessarily Loki, Mobius realizing, oh, he cares for Sylvie. This is out of the ordinary. That's where we see the slow ravel of that loop breaking, uh-huh. if that makes sense. Yeah. So I, I like how that, again, was its own little... Um, yeah, I, I feel like I'm going to use this word a lot in this episode. I'm sorry. I might be even using it wrong, but it's like its own little microcosm of what's happening in these small little interactions between these characters. So I will say this, as far as the apprehended, I was, I was a little, I don't know, disappointed or confused in the way they found them only in mm-hmm. that. And, and it's, it's an amalgamation of also what happened at, at the end of episode two was, you get this explanation of like they're hiding in an apocalypse, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden there's a nexus event and and it just kind of broke the logic to being able to hide in the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know why I've gotten so hung up on the rules in this show. 
because I did even mm-hmm. in episode one, but it was like at the end of episode two, when you had the all chaos broke loose, it was like, it was really convenient. It, it nothing was really resolved. Mm-hmm. It was like, wait, what happened? I thought we just blew apart the timeline and now I'm just looking at it here. And it was such a clever way to hide in apocalypses. But wait, now we found a way to make a Nexus event happen. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, I it just felt it, it just felt a little convenient writing wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I and I hate to put it that way because I, I get what they're trying to do with the character development. But it but it's mm-hmm. like I guess for me, I'm looking at it in, in like the logic of the show. It's like, oh, cool. You painted yourself in this box. How are you going to get out of this box? Oh, you're just going to ignore the box you gave yourself. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? And and so that was a little confusing for me, I guess. Mm-hmm. No, that that I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that it is convenient. Specifically because, you know... <laughs> We're going to get hung up on the rules again. You know, their whole plan back in episode three was, hey, the ships never had us on it, right? Like that was going to be right. their way to trigger trigger a Nexus event so that they can, I guess, quote unquote, be rescued, apprehended, whatever. I was thinking about it. It's like, how close do they actually have to get to being on the ship for it to trigger an alternate timeline? Or is it like even being on the path of success? Is that enough to deviate on the, the the timeline to be flagged? If that makes sense, right? And and so like like I guess the way I read it, the connection that they were having in it causing the timeline to spark straight up on the on their monitor, yeah, uh, something they specifically commented on of like, oh, I've never seen anything like that before, was. And again, I'm stretching and maybe trying to fill in too many gaps, but because the possibility of two alternate versions of themselves having this special connection was so unlikely, the fact that they even had it at all was enough to send the timeline haywire. Again, that feels like a generous read. I don't know how you feel about that. No, and I I think that's what they're going for. But Mm -hmm. I I get, again, it's, it's the weirdness for me of like episode one, we talked about free will predestination. That's clearly what they wanted to tackle Mm -hmm. using those rules and logic. Pompeii was going to happen regardless. It didn't matter what I did. Mm -hmm. And so their connection, and I'm guessing it's going to have a, maybe a little bit more explanation. Like two episodes had to be such that, all of a sudden it's a straight line nexus event that mm-hmm. the apocalypse it's going to get pruned anyways according to what they've mm-hmm. already established so that's what i mean of like i get you, you i get you, you. Did, it's- you didn't find a, a way to get yourself out of it without within the the parameters you've already set mm-hmm. and and so again it shouldn't be that big of a deal. But for me, I'm like, and, and probably because I, I found the whole hiding in apocalypses things so clever. Right. And I found for me, the, the what? No. Cause I was expecting them to get off the planet at the end or Mobius to show up at the end. And he didn't. And then it's like, okay, but to, to get them off the planet, 
and, and apprehended. It was kind kind of a breaking of the of the rules that you established, rather than solving the puzzle piece of the rules. Mm-hmm. And and so that yeah. that's that was my kind of like uh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's like when you say super soldier serum is bad, and then you do a superhuman strength feat at the end. Uh, with vibranium rocket boosters and shoot, suits, okay. He was holding it with his hands. Um, but sticking with the scene, I do want to highlight something that was very interesting to me. As Mobius and the crew were like trying to hunt for Sylvie and Loki, they specifically <laughs> said something like, you know, at this scale, even if someone steps on a wrong leaf, it would be picked up. And the thing that I took away from that is that it makes me feel like the sacred timeline isn't as tight knit as I once believed it. And like there is room for slight variations, but it's up until a certain point that they that they decide to prune it. And so what I'm getting at is it, I know it doesn't sound like much, but it makes me feel as like there's this overlays of timelines waiting to be to burst into freedom and I don't know. It it gave me a sense of possibility I didn't feel from any of the other explanations of the timeline, if that makes sense. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. Like, like they've completely backed off this whole free will predestination mm-hmm. thing. You know, nothing else matters. We're all going to die, Pompeii. To Lamentus and being able to, to find them on Lamentus and get off of Lamentus. But like, you know, I, I mean, when you start talking about larger events like that, that are preordained, predestined by the timekeepers to happen. Well, yeah, I mean, Loki established in Pompeii, I can make whatever choices I have and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. You know, here, and and I guess this is part of the thing going against, going against that grain, here, I guess, there can be a strong enough choice that disrupts what is preordained to mm-hmm. happen, right? Like that's the whole point of the variant. Mm-hmm. But what's what's unique about the apocalypse is this is world ending. The strong enough choice should have been to get on the ark and get off the ark. You, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so in that sense, I agree with you that that yeah, it does feel like there's a little there's more freedom, you know, or or it's not as tightly knit as it was laid out in the very mm-hmm. beginning. Mm-hmm. And and it's like I don't know, maybe I'm 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 projecting as as to what I think is going to happen by the end of it. It, it. it just it makes me hopeful that there's there's possibilities for um people like Sylvie who have been taken away from the realities just because it wasn't part of the tight-knit uh fabric of the timekeepers or so they say. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have some thoughts on that and I'm going to say <laughs> Perfect. You know, I, I, sticking within this most important topic of apprehended, I think another place that we can zone in on uh, is a very important detail of this episode, which is the revelation of when Sylvie was abducted as a child. The thing that I think hit me the hardest was when we saw Loki get taken into the TVA, it was dark and whimsical at the same time. Like we know like, okay, Loki's not the greatest yes. person in the world. He's in the scariest place. It, it, it's fine to kind of see him squirm a little bit because we don't know the TVA yet. The juxtaposition of mm-hmm. watching Sylvie as a child go through the horrors of the TVA was heartbreaking. That hit it was. really, really, really hard. 
Yeah. Yeah. My note, a deja vu experience for the audience because of the first episode, they didn't have to show us much in this scene. Cause, and we know it was like you said, way worse. Cause it was a child. Right. A couple of things. A, I guess this is why they invented the rewind collar. <laughs> um, which clearly having the divine foreknowledge, they should have saw that coming, but the rewind collar probably got his origins here. Uh, you know what? It wasn't clear to me why or what Sylvie's crime was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it still wasn't 100% clear what Loki's crime was. You, you know, but I mean, I, I get what it was. But this clearly wasn't clear. And even when she got to ask later, it was, I don't remember, which I don't believe. I think, I think Rinslayer remembers and she just didn't want to give the satisfaction. Mm-hmm. I actually have a different read on that. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, well, before you take that read, let me just say this. And again, I, I get confused. If you have one sacred timeline and this is Loki, was it like, I'm, I'm trying to piece this together. What was her crime? Was it just simply that she existed? Mm-hmm. Like that, it, like, was it that? And so they erased her. And so they got now this Loki. I mean, cause the idea that there's multiple Lokis, these variants, like, I get the idea of a variant being I went stray from what the three lizards want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when the variant is different versions of the same person, that's where I'm, I'm mentally like, oh, how does that work? Because you're all pruning to keep the same timeline. Mm-hmm. And so was she just like completely innocent? They just, you adopted the wrong kid and named him Loki? Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean? Like 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 I'm trying to 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 put that together, and that was something that that I was was thinking through, and curious to see what happens mm-hmm. in the next two episodes. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I, I I wanted to chime in with this because this is something that was uh, kind of helped key me into it through the Marvel Studios subreddit. Somebody mentioned that whenever Sylvie is playing with her toys before she gets abducted, she's speaking very highly of the Valkyrie and she's talking about saving Asgard and doing heroic things. And it, you know, if the TVA feels that the purpose of Loki throughout all the timelines is that he's villainous and he's a traitor and a liar and backstabbing and causing mischief, the fact that Sylvie is seemingly growing up to not be the selfless person that we generally know Loki's to be. That was the deviation. You mean the selfish. What did I say? The selfless. Oh yeah. Selfish. Thank you for the correction. Um, yeah. Like that was enough for the TVA to step in and prune. And it's even bolstered by, you know, what she does even after the TVA, she immediately, you know, is reaching out to like, Hey, somebody help him when they were bringing in that other person that was, um, apprehended as well. And so, it's it's cruel that just because she decided to or not decided was on the path to being somebody that cared a lot more than Loki did. That was enough to prune her. And it fits in line right. with the mindset of the TVA of dictating what people get to be and not being able to change. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I well, and it falls in line with with I'm going to use our Loki's purpose is to is so others could succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good catch. I wish I had saw that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I can pair it up again with something that I really love because I talked about how this episode is like rebuttals against why the TVA is flawed or why they were doomed to fail. You know, look at what happens in Loki in this in this 
topic we're talking about. He gets sent to that time loop prison where, hey, we get Lady Sif, which is really cool. But mm-hmm. he gets caught in that loop of her beating him down because he pulled that cruel trick on her. And so maybe there was at the at the point of that happening, maybe there was some justification of the reaction that she had against him. But being stuck in that loop, you see Loki being broken down to the point that he finally says, I'm sorry, I do it because I'm scared and I want attention because I'm afraid I'll be alone. I'm a narcissist. Like he finally has this realization of himself and is, is in my opinion, expressing genuine sorrow and it goes into the face of everything the TVA has been saying about not being able to change. In this loop of their predestined action of what's going to happen, he was able to change. And so I mm-hmm. that's what I liked, you know, pairing uh, Sylvie's good-hearted nature in the beginning when she was abducted to Loki um, having his realization. Yeah. I really liked that scene. I like, like you said, we got to see Sif again. That was great. I was a little disappointed that it was like, man, because so many fans have wanted what happened to Sif, what happened, and we get her, and it's like, oh, you're just a time loop of this line. I was expecting somebody else. I thought they were going to Sif and then run somebody else through, uh-huh. and like, do we get Frigga in a moment of disappointment? Like, the, you know what I mean? Like, that was what I was thinking. Like, we're going to run through, you know, his greatest hits of disappointment. But man, what <laughs> psychological torture. Right? 100% torturous. Yeah. Because like even because I talked about how he has his realization even after he has admitted to his flaws that because I'm assuming this is the creation of the TVA, they continue to hammer that thing home. Mm -hmm. You will always be alone. He did. He did the growth. He had the lesson learned and it didn't matter to the TVA. And that's like you said, torture. Yeah. Also, by the way, greatest, uh, what did you say? The greatest hits of disappointment is going to be the name of my next album. I just want to put that on the record. The greatest hits of disappointment? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was really good. You couldn't see, but I got the biggest smile on my face because that was a great mm. title. <laughs> as as Guardian Adrenaline Rush brings you the greatest hits of disappointment. <laughs> On the cover album, it's Touring just like very, Midgard. various <laughs> scenes of Sif literally hitting the greatest hits of Loki. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I think that's going to do it for the apprehended section. It's going to move us into our next important topic, which is Case Closed Mobius. Now, this one is going to be covering everything with Ravona and Mobius and Hunter B-15 as they all sort of have their own little uh, either realizations or story arcs uh, within this episode regarding um, the authenticity of the TVA. And so starting with me this time, the place that I really want to zone in on is Ravona. Something that I really enjoyed about this episode was seeing how much more personal this became for Ravona. Because in the beginning, in the abduction scene, we learn that she is the one who had Sylvie get away. Um, She, you know, as much as she's been chiding Mobius about like, oh, you keep letting your variants get away. We see that there's this kind of uh, maybe under her skin feeling of like, this is the original uh, flaw that happened with her letting Sylvie get away. And that's what's cascaded into all this. Mm -hmm. But it just it makes that hook of 
I'm jumping ahead a little bit, that hook of whenever we see them together at the end of the episode, that much more rich with tension, knowing yeah. that this is something that Ravona has been uh, searching for for so long. Well, okay. That's why I say she remembers. Uh-huh. Cause like, this is what drives her. Mm-hmm. This one got away. Um, I don't believe she forgets that. Mm-hmm. I think it was, it was important to Sylvie. There was this devilish smile from Ravona when she got to say no. Cause it's, it's, it was an added disappointment to Sylvie mm-hmm. because Sylvie's like, why, what was so important? What were there? And she's like, I don't remember. But what does it matter? Like, no, you remember. Again, because that's her driving motivation force. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and jump up a little bit. The, the the read that I got is I think the smug smile is not because she remembers why she was pruned. It was that feeling of like, it doesn't matter to me or to the TBA why it was pruned. She's smug because it inflicts pain on Sylvie to be forced to understand the insignificance to the scope of everything. And so I think the driving force is just apprehending her at all, not necessarily why she needed to be pruned, if that makes sense. I, I, I'm i in the weeds here. Like, well, I know I, that's... We're, I think we're just splitting hairs. Yeah. But yeah, only yeah, yeah. because because I agree with what you said, and that's, and to me, why she said mm-hmm. no, even though she remembered, is because that, that it exhibits that, that element of power. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it reminds me... Over it reminds me of Endgame where Wanda's like, you took everything from me. And Thanos is like, I don't even know who you are. Like, I, that's a genuine moment. I, I believe Thanos when he says he doesn't know who she is. This feels yeah. like that. But like, yeah, yeah. like a, a, a feigned I'm above you kind of thing. Right. See, and I didn't take it that way. I took it like you. I took it. She knows. And I'm just not going to give you the satisfaction. <laughs> Well, on the on the topic of reading uh, Ravona, I think can we agree she's an incredibly bad liar? I don't think we can. No, really. Well, because I'm telling you that she lied and said that she didn't know, and you're saying she didn't know. You're right. I was trying Remember. to segue out of that. I was going to talk into like when she was trying to lie to Mobius, and how painfully not honest those responses were to Mobius, but that you're right. That's a good catch. <laughs> like, that's one of those ones where I fell in love with the segue before I actually listened to the segue. <laughs> now, and again, are we reading these completely different? Cause in my, in my, in my read of that scene, Mobius isn't clearly, he's not satisfied with the answers. Right. And, and he keeps asking these questions about C20 and things just don't add up for him. But I, maybe I just got sucked into it. I felt like Ravona was being genuine of like, I'm trying to protect you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, yeah, hard to, the- it's, it's hard to tell with this show because you had this mm-hmm. playful, like, I'm your favorite analyst and stuff. But I don't think we've ever actually seen another analyst. Mm-hmm. We've seen the Hunters, but I don't think we've actually seen another analyst. I think the only ones we've seen have been in those rooms with all the monitors. But we've never seen like a field agent like Mobius. That's right, right. And so in in that way, in that way, it's hard to tell. It's like, well, is this your only analyst? But I took it as like, because I'm not sure how much Ravona knows. Uh huh. Because she had a genuine, to me, she had a genuine reaction to Mobius's pruning. Yeah. Which case. 
she doesn't she believes him to be dead so i feel like there's there's certain things that she doesn't know and something she does know you know like like the c20 that they're variants and, and those types of things i feel like she has some knowledge of that but i don't think she has the full picture okay and in that way that that's how i think okay she was being honest with mobius about oh i i was trying to protect you so i don't i don't know if she was lying there well cuz one we get that that video on the timpad wherever mobius sees that like Ravona cuts the interview short and says, okay, we're done here. And so, like, she's been dodging this question of what happened. She's clearly lying by saying that C-20 couldn't even form complete sentences by the end, and yet here she is giving coherent thoughts on trial. And so... Yeah. It's easy... I Like, it's easy to say, like, oh, because we, f- we saw how the episode played out, like, you could say she's a liar. But, like, even before that revelation... You know, when she's speaking in hushed voices and saying, like, I don't want anybody to panic. You know, she she's dead, Mobius, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, that felt so insincere. Oh, and like up. That felt cover yeah, up. Yeah, that's where I was getting yeah. out of, like, it feeling like, oh, man, she is not great at this lying thing. Yeah. No, that felt cover up. 100%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will say this, though. You know, we are being led to believe that everybody in the TVA is a variant. Uh, we see at the beginning wait, wait, when... Wait, wait. Led to believe? You're not convinced? Well, th- this is what I am questioning, because Sylvie is apprehended by Ravona at the beginning, and at that point in her TVA career, she was a, f- a field agent, not a field agent, um, a hunter. This, yeah, a hunter. Yeah, a hunter. You. Yeah. And then over the course of what we know now, she becomes the judge. So was Ravona somebody? that was a variant and worked her way up to being a judge or is she outside being plucked from a timeline? That's what I was confused about. That's a good question. Cause like, I mean, there there's and friend Daniel brought this up. We brought it up. We talked about the, the bureaucratic humor, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to burn this place down. You can start with my desk and, and following that line of this kind of mindless drone, office space bureaucracy it makes sense that you could advance in your job and she can become a judge and the judge there i guess there's a retirement for the tva <laughs> what does a retirement look like when you know everything right like, like okay so i mean that's kind of what they're establishing so in that sense i could see it was like is so is she not but if she's a hunter she has to be a variant too right mm-hmm Unless, and that's the other thing is, is oh, the timeline's so convoluted here. It, it's hard to pinpoint, like, when did that happen when they, when, when they plucked Sylvie from the timeline? Mm-hmm. Because she was a hunter. How long was it before she became a judge? Especially when time moves differently in the TVA. Because you can just hop around. So, mm-hmm. like, from when that happened to where our Loki showed up, it feels like some significant time passed in order for you to get that promotion. And so are we to believe she wasn't a variant in some of the initial ones? And so she got promoted and variants took her place or were the timekeepers just grabbing variants all up from the very beginning? Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And it's hard to tell 
for a very linear story, it's very non-linear. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I think because we already talked about it, like getting into the to the splitting hairs. Yeah, I think at a certain point we just have to accept what it's putting forth and and judge whether that's satisfying or not by the end. Because yeah, yeah, because like I mean, you can even bring up stuff like uh, you know. The Asgardians apparently live 1,500 years, and we see Sylvie grow from a child to adult. So there's clearly a huge amount of time in that span. Mm-hmm. Well, again, you, I mean, you had Hela way before Thor. Thor didn't know about Hela. Mm-hmm. So, you know, enough that Odin got to redecorate. Uh. <laughs> and by the way, that was a really poor redecorating job that you just put new stuff right over the top of it. Nah, it's fine. Just slap a little cover over it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! One more thing to say because we're still we're still in this case closed section. We're in, to circle back to what I was saying in the pre-spoiler thoughts about like the the microcosms of the TVA's flaws. Um, so much of Ravona's part in this episode is continually trying to prune, if you will, the spread of the information that the TVA is comprised of variants. Uh, she tries with Mobius. Uh, she tries by trying to stop Sylvie and then trying to stop B-15. And I like I just like that it, it feels like it's represented like no matter how much she tries to do that, that information keeps spreading organi- organically, um, mainly because I'm probably rooting for that to happen. But I don't know. I like that because it, it reminded me of what watching timeline split before they get pruned on that monitor felt like. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, another section uh, worth zoning in on is obviously Mobius, who has an incredibly big change within his role of the TVA within this episode. And honestly, the first thing that I wrote down in my notes is that, and again, I preface this by saying I know the TVA is not a great entity, but it's such a shame that for someone as dedicated as Mobius is to the work that they're doing, that he still ends up being on, I don't know, there was there was just something really sad about that, that he wanted to believe so much in it, and and by the end of the, the episode, um, you know, he has that sort of uh, illusion broken for him. For the better, but still, you know. Oh, completely with Mobius. He, th- that's a classic trope, though, right? This you buy into something uh, and and you think it's one thing and then you realize it's not that, right? Like we see that trope a lot in shows and in medias. Um, And I think for a lot of us, we, for one way or another, oh my gosh, take, take fandom. (laughs) Just use that for a second. Like I was just talking with a friend of mine the other day about fandom of like sports teams and stuff and and this idea of like when you're a little kid you believe like man they're gonna win this game and they don't oh too bad right and as you get older you realize like it's not too bad it's like the general manager needs to get fired because he can't put a good team on the field and you're what so that feeling's supposed to stop (laughs) (laughs) well like well like 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 you become more aware of the mechanics uh-huh. of how these players have come together and put the, you know, the, the teams on the field. And when you're a kid, you don't pay attention to that. You're not aware of that, you know, and, and, and mm-hmm. you see that in Mobius, that kind of 
almost childlike, this is what we're doing. This is what we're fighting for. You know, yeah, this is what we're fighting for. It's not really clear what we're fighting for. And the people you're fighting for, the time lizards you've never even met. And and all mm-hmm. of that is being being stripped away. Um, yeah. You know, which which I think we all have that in various degrees. Mm-hmm. You know, in our previous episodes, um, something we specifically talked about with TJ is we had this read that Mobius wants out. I think even if it's not stated, there has been something that has always felt off to him. And this may be hinted at his admiration for jet skis, despite it being, you know, impossible for him to ever partake in that. This this episode made me realize um, Mobius' character, I think, really buries his denial in his work. Because Mm -hmm. there was, like we said, so much dedication to the belief of what the TVA was doing. This is what we're fighting for and and all that jazz. You know, it's it's illustrated when Ravona asks, hey, if you could go anywhere, whenever, where would you go? He doesn't have an answer. And he just says, like, I don't know. I like working with you here. This is good. Yeah. And then by the end of the episode, whenever he is, you know, facing down the 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 boop stick. I can't remember what it was called. The, uh, the pruner. Uh, he says, I thought of where I would go. I'd go wherever I'm really from. Yeah. That catharsis moment was huge because of, of, of realizing that like, this was something I think he had felt all along, but in doing the work, he was just suppressing it and he's finally free of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Well, and what well, take, um, C20, when her moment mm-hmm. with Sylvie and she's like, I was happy and that was heartbreaking. Cause just as Mobius was, you know, we kind of had this idea of like, Oh, he's, he's like memories are coming back or something like that. Right. He's, he's wanting to break free. You know, the recognition on her, it was like, I was happy to me. Also this implied of like, man, she's been so sad this mm-hmm. whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she did a good job. She did it well, mm-hmm. you know. And so it kind of had Our, the same thing, right? Of just I do, you do the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, look. Whenever Mobius leaves Ravona's office for the first time, B fifteen stops and asks him, like, "Hey, you know, what about the variants?" And he has kind of a flippant answer, and he asks why. B fifteen says, "Like, oh, I'm just doing my job." Yeah. And so I think that is par for the course of her doing her job. But you can see, and this is incredible acting, on her face that it's not that anymore. Like, I I think you could easily read a lot of B-15's early actions in this episode as very trigger happy Mm -hmm. and wanting to get revenge for, I'm assuming, losing C-20 as a friend, Um, you know, that, that's what I read at first, but they do such a great work of, of almost mirroring Mobius's uh, revelation by the end of, you know, just wanting to be told the truth and getting that with Sylvie mm-hmm. and showing, like you said, yeah. I was happy. Yeah. Very, I, I, that was the last thing I think I wrote for that B-15 section. It's like, it's very economical how they're able to reinforce those two storylines together mm-hmm. with that, yeah. that side well, and the, and the turn that she had, I mean, She's the first introduction we get to the TVA. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, to, 
go so far as to say, I'm going to grab this variant, take the knowledge I've learned about how to hide in the apocalypse and freely say, show me again. You know, like, mm-hmm. like that had to have been so powerful to want to do that again mm-hmm. and to go against all of her programmed instinct. Maybe is that, is that yeah. what we're calling this? What did, uh, what did Loki call it in episode two? Propaganda? Yeah. Go against all the propaganda. I mean, look, she, she stares at the propaganda poster, like make, you know, what is it? The, uh, check through deletion. So, yeah. So I, I, one, one last thing. I feel like for B15, that other hunter kind of hung her out to dry a little bit because they were like B15 insisted. She didn't really have to do a lot of convincing to no. let them in the room. They, I think they just didn't want to get pruned. <laughs> that wow they really threw under the bus <laughs> you know because they were like she insisted it was like no she didn't she just said get it let me in they let her in <laughs> oh man it's like when two kids point at each other when they're trying to take the blame for the other I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so I, I got one more thing to say and this is a new thought that just came to me uh before i get into the thing i wanted to say it's very powerful i think to mobius's credit how much he's able to deviate from the belief of the TVA when he out of the three, which is B 15 and C 20 is the only one who didn't get a vision of his past life. And he still was able to believe in it by the end of it, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the thing I wanted to say, I think the biggest turn for Mobius is when he looks at the Tim pad after he steals Ravona's and he sees the interrogation of C 20 and Ravona saying like, Oh, I'm putting an end to this. Yeah. That shot, I, I would have saved this for stray thought, but we, we've been talking so much about like keeping yourself narrowly focused and then having the widening of your understanding. It was such a beautiful shot that whenever Mobius is in between the book stands, because of the framing, it's a very, very box shot. And it looks like it's kind of like this closed look on Mobius. And every time it cuts to the Tim pad where he's learning more, it's that wide angle shot. And yeah. I just love what they're communicating there um, with these growth of these characters in that scene. Oh, yeah. I, my note, I love the shot in the library where Mobius is boxed in. Uh-huh. So good. Oh, also, I say, and here in that video, Ravona has to know they're all variants. Otherwise, why stop it? Yeah. Why stop the recording? You have to know. Uh-huh. That's what I mean. Like, like there's things I think she knows, but I don't know if she knows the full extent. Well, it, I'll save it for later. I'll put a pit in that thought for later. Sounds good. All right. Well, I think that's going to bring us to our next topic, which is simply called Nexus Connection. We already talked about it a little bit, but this is zoning in on that moment where Loki and Sylvie have their discussion on Lamentis and their connection is what creates the Nexus event, as well as this idea of Loki and Sylvie connecting on this personal level. So is there a place you want to start? So in in this section, I think one of the things I mainly will focus on, well, let's, let me, let me rephrase it. One of my critiques, critiques and i don't know if i said this critique out loud on pod maybe i did uh i know i've said it to you i know i said it to friend daniel i feel mm-hmm. like the this show is kind of puddle jumped in big ideas uh-huh. and and i'm looking for okay what is the main thing whether i agree with it or not you know, philosophically is, is what I was thinking at one point. Cause we did free will predestination and stuff. Like what is the main 
through line theme that that we're taking on and i i think with this nexus connection they're settling in on love you had the big conversation what is love love is the dagger love is hate maybe you know and those things and when you think about loki and his quest for power i think i think what this show is trying to do here is to show well, you had the Loki moment of, is this the greatest power in the universe? When you see all the the, the paperweights, you know, mm-hmm. and he's looking at the timeline. But they're trying to show love is the most powerful force in the universe. I think mm-hmm. that's the through line. In that sense, to kind of... not, I'm not going to walk back my critique of the escape. But if that's what they're wanting to show and, and what they're doing, then then yeah, this moment of connection here, and if that is what's the most powerful force in the universe, it is should be so powerful that it can overcome the end of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's that's what they're or my read of it or what they're going for. Mm-hmm. And that makes a lot of sense. I'm torn in two ways because I think there is a read of that where like, yeah, that's 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 a sweet sentiment that love conquers all. But hearing that, there's also a part of me that feels like that's like one step above like, well, maybe such and such was the real friends we made along the way. Like, Mm -hmm. it just feels kind of like a cop out, like if that's going to be the answer. And it's I guess it's fine because like I'm not expecting this Disney Plus show to give me the answer to the meaning of life or free will and, and predestination. But I don't know. I think a lot of what my issue is, is I don't know how comfortable I am with this idea that Sylvie and Loki have this connection for each other. And I think it's best illustrated by Mobius's like reaction to it and being flabbergasted. He's Mm -hmm. like, oh, come on, you seismic narcissist. What is this? You fell in love with yourself? Right. And it's 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 weird. And I don't know if that's just a well, it's weird because we don't. I don't know if we fully know the rules yet. And I hate to go back to these rules, but what I mean by that is like, well, we touched on it briefly last pod. Okay. They're using the term variant, right? And what variant mm-hmm. implies. But if I really think about it philosophically, I really think about it, you know, from my training theologically, when, it, when I think about these things and even from physics standpoint, when you have a multiverse, that Loki, or even me, that Jude in the other multiverse, is fundamentally not me. Mm-hmm. It's the me of that universe, but it is mm-hmm. not me. We might use the word variation, you know, the, the term variant, variation or a version of me, but that's not me and so the the thing that i kind of honed in on is was like mobius says two variants of the same being you know and i mean the full line is two variants of the same being especially you forming this kind of mobius's word sick twisted romantic relationship you know and that's mobius's reaction and to the extent that we think he's trying to get a reaction out of Loki or actually thinks that, you know, I mean, that, that was his reaction, but the variance of us of the same being, that same being is what really caught my attention. 
Because when you start talking about that, are we talking like philosophically on a substantive level? Are we talking genetically saying being like, like for again, and just the way my mind works, the way I think about the world, that is what I honed in on. And, and I'm like, well, from my understanding, you're not the same being. These are two different entities, you know? And, and so in, in that sense, like I, I have a hard time seeing Sylvie as Loki Mm-hmm. And I mean, I get like, this is a Loki, this is a Loki or another version of Loki, but like calling Sylvie Loki in terms of it's, it's like identical with slight variations is like, I don't think that that's the case. And I don't think I ever saw that that's the case. So, mm-hmm. and, and that's where, which way is the show going to go? Which way do I see it? Which way do other viewers see it? I think is going to have a real big impact on how they read that relationship. Mm -hmm. So uh, what's coming to me now is, you know, this show has gone through work in showing us that Sylvie is different. We've seen um, the rebuke of being called Loki. We've seen the distinguishing factor of, you know, Sylvie's a lot more disciplined. She's a lot more caring. She's not as selfish as Loki is as a character. So they've done work to make these distinct characters. But I guess the hangup is in the language that the show itself keeps using, which is, like you said, variants, variations, uh, the TVA insisting that these are just alterations of the same being. Um, So maybe maybe that's what we get at by the end of this is that realizing like, Hey, they're not the same being as we are reading it at this point. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, it it does. But I mean, just to hammer my point home. And again, like I said, maybe by the end of this episode or end of this series, we'll have a clearer answer on a smaller scale of something of what I'm bumping into, given the work they've done in distinguishing these characters and the work they've done of like enforcing that they're the same. There's supposed to be this big moment in the episode where it is growth for Loki to praise Sylvie. He was saying, like, you almost took down the TVA on your own and you've been on a run since you were a child. You're amazing. Like, he was going on and on Uh praising her. And I don't want to take away from Loki's character growth, but it's also weird to read this selfless admiration of Sylvie because, in a way, he's essentially praising themselves. And so it's like, I, I just don't know how or which direction to go. Right. With this. And, and I so even if you thought. don't want to get into the the romantic side of it all, it's hard to just piece this together or parse it for yeah. myself. No, I had the same thought because I mentioned the last pod. You said like Loki hasn't had time to figure out what love is. And I'm like, well, it's not a matter of time. He's a narcissist, self-centered you know, true love, you got to be able to, you're, you're putting someone else's interest first and Loki's can't or has never done that. And that character growth is him in the show is being able to do that. But when it's not clear whether it's in, I don't know, my head or the show's rules, like, is this just simply Loki, as Mobius put it, of same being? Or is this truly another person? You know what I mean? So, okay. So did you really put self first 
I mean, did you really put somebody else first? I don't know. Like, well, I go back to this. Okay. With the pruning, if we, if we were to take the Reddit right and the crime was you're not going to be self-absorbed because you're idolizing the Valkyrie, right? So we're going to remove this Loki. And then you have another Loki take its place. And that's literally the same timeline versus like two different timeline Lokis. Like it's, I don't even know if I want to call it a different version of Loki because that's from the same timeline, just a different person. So I'm getting bogged down on things I shouldn't get bogged down on. And that's, and that's where I think where I, the, the difficulty of this show is for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's, it is again, how my, uh, well, it was like what TJ said with the physics. He's like, I, you know, I can't let myself get bogged down on the actual physics because none of this stuff would make sense. And maybe that's our character. And I'm getting bogged down on things that, that I shouldn't, um, in Mm terms, in terms of, you know, just watching and enjoying the show. Now, having said that, I didn't Mm -hmm. dislike the episode. I tremendously enjoyed the episode, but it's hard to, but it was hard to think about this scene without me in my head thinking about, okay, is it the same person? Is it not the same person? What does variant mean? Because that's just what I do. That's what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Like, like on a oh, philosophical level, cl- outside of the TV show, that's the things I'm interested in. It's like you, you know, and, and think about. Uh, it's like, oh, there mm-hmm. are there multiverses, and what does this quantum physics mean, and what does that mean for us if this is the case? Like, I already naturally am interested in those things, and so, mm-hmm. so yeah. Well, uh, that will do it for this Nexus connection section. So say that five times fast. So we are going to move into our next important topic, which is simply the timekeepers. This section is going to encompass everything we learned about the timekeepers not being exactly who we thought they were, as well as that final fight sequence all the way through the in credit scene of this episode. Um, so starting with me this time, I, I got to say, the choreography of the fighting in this scene and this scene and even in that scene where Sylvie was abducted and they had the courtroom where she was getting away. Uh-huh. It all feels very flat. I know obviously fights are scripted, but there's something about it where you can just see behind the curtains of how scripted the, the fight sequences are in this episode, which is a little disappointing. It's, it's not. Not only is it scripted, it, it's not fast enough. To overcome, yes. like we know, fights are choreographed, but what makes mm-hmm. it feel real is the speed with which they can do it, uh-huh. and and that's just not happening, which is fine. But the other thing about it is they feel forced. Like, like yes, I don't need the elaborate fight scene here. Like the the show, the show on its own is interesting enough and thought provoking enough that. I don't need uh, those fight scenes. Like you could have got mm-hmm. in and out of, well, it's like trying to get to the arc. I accepted it the first watch, but on the next ones, those guards really didn't need to fight them. Yeah. I mean, 
running through the crowd, all trying to get to the ark, and everything, everything's falling apart. Is is suspense enough? Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to my cousin Paul about that. He's saying the same thing. It's like that should be good enough. I didn't need the fight. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like they're forcing some fights into a place because it's the a superhero show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and something else that it reminds me of is, you know, you brought up this idea of like, what does Ravona know or don't know? Because of the slow paced nature of the fight sequences, it really made me question some of the purpose of why Ravona brought them there in the first place anyway. Because right. there's often times where she's just kind of standing there watching yeah. the the B-15 and the uh, Loki and Sylvie fighting the other guards. Um, it's also weird watching the the timekeepers just kind of sitting there watching everything that's happening, but we find out why. But it's just, yeah. it's a distraction to, I think, a story they were already telling so well up until this fight sequence. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing is why did they bring him to the timekeepers? Yep. You know, why did the TVA bring him to the timekeepers? The timekeepers wanted them there, but that doesn't make sense. Well, just to have them pruned. Like it just, it, it, it was, it, it, it was the, and then this happened. Yep. Scene. You know, it was like, okay, we got to have the reveal that the timekeepers aren't present. Mm-hmm. Thank you, friend Daniel. You know, but they're not, they're not present. They're not there. Doesn't mean they don't exist, but they're not there. Here's our Wizard of Oz moment we've been we've been talking about and waiting for. Other than needing that scene to happen, there wasn't a good reason to say y'all need to go in front of the timekeepers. Mm-hmm. It's like who who's the elaborate trick for? If we are to believe that Ravona's in on it, why is she you know, why does she need to go through all the, the rigmarole of having them there when she could just prune them anywhere and they would be gone and couldn't reveal the secret anyway? Um Right. Is it really, is, is this whole act really just for those two guards that were standing inside? Like, are they the only ones that need to be convinced that the, the timekeepers are there? Yeah, I don't know. It. Well, it makes me worried for the finale. Yeah. The main problem we had with both finales was you had to have the the final set piece, action piece. Man, this show doesn't need that. Yeah. And so, but but you know it's coming. Mm-hmm. I will say this, um, swinging more into the positive sides and maybe speculating on something that could be. Something that stood out to me is the timekeeper specifically called um, Sylvie, was it the cosmic mistake, cosmic accident or whatever? This mm-hmm. is is a repeat of what B-15 had called Loki earlier before they do their thing in episode two. And so it it makes me feel like even if these timekeepers aren't there and they, they, they weren't real, there is still some guiding force above them that is mm-hmm. enforcing that vocabulary and enforcing that belief. So even if it felt flat in this moment, I still get a hint of like, okay, it's not, it's not like it's not done. There's still something to be unraveled here. So that, that was, right. th- that helped me out a little bit. Right. Well, and it's so weird because cosmically there's gotta be something right. That has this kind of power. Meta knowledge 
you know, we talked about that of there's only two episodes left. What's the pattern of the penultimate episode in the finale? I just, it's like you don't expect them to reveal another character Mm -hmm. or, you know, well, I mean, you know, Val. So I guess another character could be revealed, (laughs) but she wasn't, but she was clearly MCU, right? She was clearly like that. I'm going to drop a character because we're setting something up. It wasn't, you know, groundbreaking for the story. Mm -hmm. So like, we're not going to get that kind of character or you wouldn't expect in in that sense. It's like, so the timekeepers really not there. Is Ravona just doing this? Like, like I'm really curious next week where they're going to go with this. Mm -hmm. So am I. So I think another big thing to talk about here in this section was at least for me, the surprise of Loki being pruned was really unexpected. And I, I talked a little bit about it in the uh, pre-spoiler thoughts of, uh, you know, I had texted you by the end of the episode to say more specifically with spoilers, you know, I texted you and I said, man, I was ready to be upset with Mobius being pruned. And then to get to the episode and mm-hmm. see that Loki was pruned, they just did like back to back shocks on that, that I was not expecting at all. Oh, yeah. So I texted you and I messaged friend Daniel I was watching my second watch. My wife was watching this and I was like, I didn't like the intake. Yeah. Right. Like, like I was like, wow, they just took a big swing here and Loki's gone. Are we moving on to this Loki? Like, you know, cause, cause I bought in like these, they got pruned. They were dead. And I'd much rather have seen that intake at the start of the next episode. Mm hmm. And let it sit for a week. Now, having said that, my wife's watching it. I messaged friend Daniel, texted you, and I was like, I know what I was wanting. Do I not tell her there's an intag? Uh-huh. Do I not show her the intag? And I thought, and to be honest, I was like, oh, this might be a needed experiment to see. But when I saw the look of sadness on her face oh. with Mobius being pruned and Loki being pruned, I couldn't do it. I was like, it was like, hey, there's an intact. Yeah. And she's like, okay. And then she was so happy. She's like, she's like, there's hope. She's like, you were going to kill my hope. I was like, no, I wasn't going to kill your hope. I was like, I, I saw how sad you were. I'm not going to kill your hope when you look that sad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it, it's, but like for me, it, it's, it was like, I bought in like Loki and Mobius was dead and this show took a big swing. You know, it, it, it for me, it wasn't the, you know, oh, Black Panther and Spider-Man and Guardians got dusted, but I know they're coming back. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure that Loki was coming back. Yeah. You know, thinking back to when you texted me about like, hey, should I should I show the end tag? I think the very next thing I, I texted you after you explained to me why you didn't want to is simply... The Disney Plus shows, I think, have really goofed up the end tags. And I think they've they've really misunderstood the purpose of them back when they were in the movies. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about it in WandaVision. Uh, the very first one we got was, you know, the revelation that uh, Monica Rambeau, 
I had to look to my Funko Pop again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Monica Rambeau, the revelation that uh, Monica Rambeau gets trapped in the cellar. And I told you specifically, I was like, okay, this feels weird to have it as an in tag. You shouldn't have important plot points as your teaser in between the credits because it needs to be pertinent to your story. Not only because I, I see your point too about it ruins that tension of like being bought in that Loki's gone, but like that this is this is the story we're telling. Like don't you know keep that within in the narrative. I don't know. It's just it's very frustrating that they keep doing that when it felt like the the in credit scenes used to be here's a teaser for what's coming up in a next project or what's coming down the road or just a comedic bit that has nothing to do with the plot. And so it, it's it's weird to me that these these Disney Plus shows keep doing that with these syntax. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, I, I mentioned this earlier. I can bring it back here. We talked about how, um, you know, the the last episode, seeing them get to the ship, it crashes and we're like, oh, man. And then we start this episode and it's like, OK, you know, they found love. They get off and it kind of felt like cheating a little bit. I was mm-hmm. going to bring this up. It, it it feels like one of the big issues that we had with Rise of Skywalker, where, you know, they do the fake out. Oh, no, Chewbacca's dead. Next scene. No, he's not. He's fine. You never had to worry. Yeah. Tension means nothing if you don't give time to, like, revel in it. And so, like, like I I don't know. I'm just frustrated. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, the, the For me, the intags are frustrating. Yeah. So... Now we're talking about in tags, so I guess we've kind of moved on from the timekeepers. But I do want to say one last thing. Even on the first watch, I was like, "Oh, we get to see the timekeepers for the first time." However, they didn't look real to me. They looked fake. Mm-hmm. So, like, it it was obvious that they weren't the timekeepers. Yeah, just the way the voice was and all of that. And so that was the other thing about that reveal. It wasn't a big moment because they, they didn't do a good job of having me buy in of like, Oh, those are the timekeepers. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't think there were the timekeepers at the beginning and the character design and voice. You didn't convince me either. Mm-hmm. So I'll say this. Cause I felt like I just spent like a good minute being negative. I'm with you. Once we got a close up of them, I was like, I was suspicious of something being off whenever Loki and Sylvia were interacting with them. But the first note I had is in that beginning when Ravona is in their presence, I was like, man, they're doing a really good job of making the timekeepers feel menacing because the way she enters in that room and then there's fog everywhere. And it's just like, you only see their red eyes. I was like, Oh man, this is, this is very unsettling. Um, but once we got that closer look, I was like, okay, yeah, that I don't think they're going to be what we thought they were. You know, see, and maybe it was because I was already expecting them, you know, this whole Wizard of Oz thing. Uh-huh. I didn't think that when I first saw them. Hmm. I thought, oh, look, we're doing Snoke again. <laughs> <laughs> so... So I, I will say this because this is, you know, we brought up the intag. We kind of roped it in here with this timekeeper section. Um, you know, one of the questions I have is like, okay, where do the prune go? Because we see by the end that Loki has reconvened with other variations of Loki. So does this mean that Mobius goes with other variations of Mobius? Um, and and that 
that all led into, I can't remember if this made the podcast or if this is something I just texted you. Whenever we got to episode two in that Pompeii scene, we had that moment where Loki is like, be free, my horned friends, be free. And I said, wouldn't yeah. it be funny if this goes where we think it's going? And that's going to be much more of a foreshadow than we realized. If we get to the point where Loki is freeing other horned versions of Loki, that line's going to be a lot more significant to me in rewatches. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you hit it hit it on. That was foreshadowing for this. Mm-hmm. But again, it throws there is like what you just said. Is there more than one Mobius? Yeah. Is this is that the only Mobius, but we just happen to have a whole bunch of Lokis? Like it just I and I realize again, I said it earlier, I'm getting bogged down <laughs> on some things that I probably shouldn't get bogged down on, but it's just it's it's making me difficult for me to watch the show. I got you. I feel you. I actually, you'll just go that far. You're right. It is my truck. I'm just going to embrace it and say it is my truck. (laughs) Oh, man. I I can genuinely say I hate that I'm right. (laughs) Oh, man. But it's good. I, I knowing I know how you feel. I'll leave it at that. Jumping back to what we were discussing, though, you know, in the animatic that we got in episode one, one of the things that Miss Minute specifically talked about was this fear of of the multiverse of madness um, or breaking into madness, I think is what, what the specific words that she used. It makes me realize that let's say it's true. Pruned Lokis go with pruned Lokis. Pruned Mobiuses go with pruned Mobius and so on and so forth for everyone that's ever been pruned. If this turns out to be the case... And there are these pockets of like infinite numbers of variations of people just being sidelined. If that does break, man, we really do have a multiverse of madness coming. Oh, yeah. 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 Which is both well, exciting and horrifying. Well, we talked about this before, you know, before we started recording. It's the same, same writer showrunner for this in that movie in the doctor strange movie so and they've said they build into each other so we'll you know and we're gonna get andrew garfield and toby mcguire and spider-man so like all hell's gonna break loose <laughs> that's all speculative not all of it the writer is writing doctor strange <laughs> shoot should we can we leave that part in because i don't know if any of that's been official that's all rumors and leaks Oh, no, it is. It is all rumors and leaks. Yeah. By the time people are listening to this, posterity stake, you know, in a year, it'll be right. (laughs) (laughs) Just like how we've already watched Spider-Man No Way From Home's trailer three times by now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this timekeeper section and uh, move us into our stray thoughts. So, Jude, do you have any stray thoughts? Yeah, straight thoughts. Uh, I still get excited by the Marvel fanfare opening. Um, I don't know why, but I, <laughs> I, I just do. You know, well, I, I said this, but I want to make sure. Also, friend Daniel mentioned it to me. Uh, episode two ending ended up being a letdown. He said that to me, and I, and I had similar feelings, just because you're expecting all hell to break loose, and it turns out it was just a way to get them away from the TVA. It's the whole. I'm gonna start a fire over here to get the police in one place so you can go rob the other store kind of thing. Yeah. And so that felt kind of a letdown just to the scale that it was. 
uh, Loki, he's extremely gullible. <laughs> I mean, he trusted he he put his trust in Mobius very quickly. Mm-hmm. He put his trust in Sylvie very quickly. Mobius set up the time loop with Lady Sif, like, and he's in there. He's like, well, how about a friend? It's like he's clearly already like he told you Sylvie was pruned when she wasn't just to get you to cooperate. Like, mm-hmm. why are you buying into this? Uh, so he's extremely gullible. I thought that. So yeah, so that was. Uh, that's it on my stray thoughts. Uh, the music choices, fantastic, mm-hmm. as always. Yeah, in this show, the the music has just been spot on, phenomenal. So yeah, so those are my stray thoughts. What about yours? So I don't have too many. Uh, it's funny. Uh, I love that you brought up the fanfare because I was thinking about that right before we recorded, and I was like, man, I wonder how many, how much time went into creating that latest iteration of the Marvel fanfare, um, which. Just wanted to throw that out there, given that you brought that up um, more in context of the episode we were watching. You know, I talked about how there was loops that were broken uh, during the interrogation scene with Mobius and, and Loki. Now that we've seen our characters returned, potentially having changed. Um, I thought it was it was very fitting that Loki is stuck in this loop with Sif and she keeps reinforcing how he is you know, destined to be alone and he's a craven worm. I forgot the exact wordage, but right as he's at his lowest and expecting her to repeat the line in comes Mobius, who is there to break that cycle. And it ends with him saying like, you know, just in case nobody's told you, you maybe you are capable of being good. So that's a straight thought. I like that. But you also bring up very valid points about mm-hmm. how he was just torturing him. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Like. <laughs> Pulling back on that one a little bit. And again, to, to hammer home the part of the music, the moment in the time loop with Sif and Loki, where Loki has that uh, moment of realizing that he is a selfish person and Sif doesn't hit him, but she does reiterate, you're always going to be alone. That musical cue was so perfectly timed and powerful for that moment. So that was another one of my straight thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, didn't have too, too many other than that this week. So uh, with our straight thoughts, uh, that's going to leave us with predictions. So Jude, do you have any predictions for next week? No. Cool. Uh, well, I just... I, I'm sure they're trying to think of predictions in like these shows. I will say, cause like every time I think I, I got a handle on where the show's going, they do a good job of, of pulling this rug out from under me, mm-hmm. you know, um, in terms of my expectations. So it's hard to think about, okay, what am I going to predict? Especially with so much left to cover. Like we got to figure out what this, with this Loki's, I think, my prediction is going to be we're going to see, you know what I would love to see? And this isn't going to happen. I'd love to see the Matt Damon Loki <laughs> on, on little Loki Island of, you know, misfit toys that Loki was sent to. Uh-huh. You know what? I don't know. That's fine. You don't have to I, have one. I, I really, I'm at a loss. Okay. Well, then I'll go ahead and share mine, uh, which is we are going to see a de-aged Owen Wilson, if not next episode, before the series end. That's my shot call. Uh, given how we saw all the variations of Loki, I'm betting on seeing uh, variations of Mobius, and I think they're going to play with the de-aging on Owen Wilson. That's a good call. Yeah. That's a really good call. <laughs> 
it'll be really fun to see. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode. If you have any predictions or thoughts on season one, episode four of Loki, you can always reach us on Twitter and Instagram at MCU Need to Know. Or if you'd like to join our Discord, there's a link to our Discord in the show notes. Lovely community of people there who are as excited about the MCU as we are, and are more specifically probably going to be really excited about Black Widow this coming week. So if you want to join in the fun, that's a great place to be. And while you're on Discord, be sure to go to the roll assign and click on the eye emojis. That way you have access to all the spoiler channels. Um, be sure to follow us, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, leave a rating and review. We truly enjoy the feedback. And the best thing you could do for us is share with a friend. Yeah. We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on his SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for doing this, Jude. Thank you, Trey. We'll see you all next week. All right, that's going to do it. Uh, thank you so much for doing this, Jude. Thank you, Trey. Nope, I did no, that wrong. No, you did do that wrong. I was like, that was quick. I wasn't ready. <laughs> oh, sorry. <clears throat> I'm going to start from the beginning.